This podcast is sponsored by Aurora Packaging Solutions, a global packaging solutions provider leading the transition to a more sustainably packaged future. They specialize in developing packaging and visual communication solutions that reduce the impact on the environment and bring sustainability goals to life. With a focus on partnership and service, they create a custom solution for your business. To learn more, please visit www.orapackaging.com. Welcome to Sustainable Packaging with Corey Connors. I'm very excited for our guest today, Mr. John Feltz, who's the co-founder and CEO of Cruise Foam. How are you, John? I'm good, Corey. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Thank you so much for taking some time. What you guys are doing is really innovative in the packaging space and in, in our interest of our audience, the sustainable packaging space. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into packaging and, and kind of how you started this great company? Yeah, I'll give you kind of the, the shorter version. So my my background's in chemical materials engineering. I, I grew up in California and I, I spent a lot of time in my early career doing environmental remediation and, and whatnot with in my old past life, you could say. And when I went back to school, I met my co-founder, Marco Rolandi, and got exposed to this material called chitin. And at the time, he was doing a lot of research, kind of higher-end research, you know, Army DARPA funded projects for the university. But we really connected kind of around the idea that this material had a really strong potential for bioplastic. But nobody was really looking at, you know... At, at, at scale, and nobody was really looking at things beyond films or kind of bottles and, and the typical kind of plastics you kind of immediately go to in your head. But what we kind of had our light bulb moment around was the fact that we we both love the ocean, we're both big surfers, and we kind of had this combined moment where we thought, as surfers, you know, you're so tied to the ocean, you love it so much, but you're riding around on this piece of trash. And ironically enough, this piece of trash is plastic foam. And it was really this moment where like, why couldn't this be something we look at for chitin in an application? And that's really where the first, you know, fruition of this company or idea came together. And, and we came down together, me and him to, to Santa Cruz and, and kind of developed the early technology here at the university. And we tackled surfboards for about a year and, and gave it a pretty good go. And, you know, it's where a lot of the passion originally lied. But when we really looked at why we were starting this company, why we saw it to be so important, it was really around the idea of plastic and, and getting rid of the enormous amount of, you know, essentially trash we have that doesn't go anywhere. It sticks around for 500,000 years. And and through that, we we kind of pivoted and really identified to have the impact, you know, we wanted to as a company. It was clear that this was in packaging. And when we dived in even more, it became even more apparent that nobody was looking at foams, at least in a really scalable, effective way. When you look at, you know, the big targets like styrofoam or EPS, and that's when, you know, we pivoted, we went to the national science foundation and, and really found a really strong fit for our technology. And it was definitely the right choice because it's, 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 you can tell the demand and the, and the, the excitement around what we're doing is there. Absolutely is. It, and it seems like to me that surfers are trying to save the world. I'm, I'm totally <laughs> impressed. I, I just interviewed Sam Bowie from FlexiHex. Oh, nice. Yeah, I know Sam. That's awesome. And he's him and his brother are surfers too. Yep. And they, that, that was their impetus for starting their company of sustainable packaging. So thank you surfers to the, are, the surfing community. The <laughs> <laughs> you, no, it's awesome. All the, the surfers are always have the best intentions uh, for, for the planet. And I just, uh, I love that. That's really cool. Oh, it's a cool, it's a cool tie-in. Yeah, that's neat. 
So can you tell us a little bit about cruise foam and you know how it's a natural alternative to oil polystyrene and, and foams like that? Yeah, for sure. So cruise foam itself, you know, we're kind of looking at, you know, building this company around, you know, really being a leader in the biomaterials, you know, technology development, how we can look at, you know, all natural solutions to replace, you know, create eco-friendly solutions and replace, you know, petroleum-based plastics. And, you know, clearly the the first thing we're looking to tackle is with, you know, our compostable bio-benign protective pack to, to replace, you know, expanded polystyrene or polyethylene or polypropylene. And really what we saw when we looked at the landscape, you know, around foam, which I kind of touched on, nobody really finding good scalable solutions, but even more focused on the, the protection side, you know, cold chain, food delivery. I do think there are some good foam substitutes and solutions in those space. But when we looked at, you know, heavy objects, electronics, expensive things, they're still using enormous amounts of EPS. One company, two companies we're, we're actually, you know, working with right now, they use 80,000 tons plus a year. And wow. so you just see, and they're desperate. They want to change, but there just hasn't been a good solution that, you know, it's usually performance, scale, and cost. And they all kind of work together. And there just has always been a breakdown in the sustainable options that they've had. And and that's when you see this coalescence really coming together between our technology and the need of the marketplace where the, the market fit and, and how we see this getting into the commercial you know, scale is, is very viable at this point and something we're, we're very excited to start tackling. Yeah, I saw you on uh, TechCrunch recently, and uh, that was a really cool panel you did. Was that, um, who was the company on there with you? Um, it was Whirlpool. 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 Yeah. Wow. What a massive, you know, he was talking about how many. The thing he said about st- like three dr- uh, dryer every three seconds or something like that. I, was... I said per second. Wow. <laughs> it's astronomical. Jeez. It's astronomical. And and that's when you see it. That's when you see that these guys, and, and he voiced it very well. And something that I think is often overlooked. When you look at the protection of these, you know, more expensive durable products, there is a lot of embedded carbon in those products themselves. And so understanding how to not lose that, but still make a switch to a more sustainable alternative in packaging, but keeping that perspective in mind is something that's also very important and something we working with, you know, brands like Whirlpool and, and these, you know, early movers and adopters is going to be key to seeing, you know, technologies like our scale effectively, because it just, you need buy-in, you need people that get and, and want to make the change. Well, he seemed very eager to move forward with yeah, you guys. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I can see why it it, yeah. it works. It's uh, sustainable and it's replacing, in my opinion, a less sustainable option. So can you tell us like a little bit more of the technical side of things? Is is the material, is it compostable? Is it biodegradable? Is it recyclable? What's What's the end game for after it's used? Yeah, no, very good question. And something that I think a lot of people are evolving and learning about as we, you know, really start to see new technologies come into this space. And when you look at ours, where we saw a lot of potential and a lot of growth and a lot of ways to give back in the end of life was around composting. And, you know, our material itself is, you know, a combination of this biopolymer chitin and then other, you know, bio-based, usually renewable waste streams, things like starches, low-grade fibers, other kind of additives. But it's really finding a way which we can create unique formulations of these different combined materials that can then scale effectively, but also have a viable end of life. And when we look at ours, we kind of moved away from recycling at the beginning because, well, I think there's a lot of limitations around recycling. And I think composting has a lot of growth potential and a lot of energy behind it, not only in the viability at scale, which hasn't been explored, you know, 
well enough. It is changing. Legislation is definitely going that way. But I think it's also a way to really look at a viable way to control something as grand as packaging and understanding to really dispose of something that's going all over the globe, all over the world. It's really important to really tap into all those different end of lives. And for composting, you have regular composting. What I think is really interesting is this idea of anaerobic digestion and not only getting good fertilized content, which our material actually is fixates nitrogen. It's a very good fertilizing material. And we've proven that in tests. But what's even more interesting is this idea of anaerobic digestion where you can get biomethane. And the idea is capturing that biomethane, A, to not let it go in the atmosphere because then it's just lost. Right. But also, by capturing it, creating renewable energy, gas, to actually power and run the municipality, you know, municipal trucks that are picking up the trash. So it's just this, you tell and you look at that story and you think, that just makes sense. And, you know, and so that's really where we see this idea of, is it compostable? Is it biodegradable? I may not tackle that because that's a very interesting conversation. When you look at legislation, I would say in all intents and purposes, our material is definitely biodegradable. But when you look at the industry and how it needs to be classified, definitely compostable. And we'd love it to go anaerobic digestion. That's a great answer, I think, because there are still a lot of questions and there are still there there is still a lot of work to be done by municipalities figuring out, okay, how do we work with extended producer responsibility and make sure that what these packaging companies are producing, like like yourselves, will will be reused or recycled or or biodegraded or like you said digested <laughs> and exactly. turned and turned into something that is another fuel source yeah. uh, what a brilliant concept i it I really, really is it really is and you, you look at europe and they've been doing this for a while and there's this company that's doing it like modular for i think it's you know like not sewage but like, you know like sanitation and 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 um, toilets but it's like it's this company called home biogas and they have this modular system that's doing it in people's homes. And we're like, this is, this is it. Like this makes so much <laughs> sense. And it's like, why not expand that type of idea and really start looking at the other materials, the other applications, other markets where that has a viable way to take some of that waste and some of that stuff and actually reuse it, turn it into something valuable. And so it's very exciting. You can look across the whole ecosystem and you see everybody trending in the same path, but now it's really understanding how do we come together and make this happen for real? Yeah. Great idea. And you know, when most people get their larger appliances delivered nowadays, they don't have pickups or or a, a cube truck to to go pick it up themselves, and they're heavy. And I get it. But what I see when when you get that delivered is the delivery service removes the packaging, and that could be an opportunity for uh, consolidation of cruise foam, and then. And then taken to a, a special digester, anaerobic digester. So that makes sense to me. Uh, yeah, I won't, I won't give away all of our secrets, but I can tell you right <laughs> now, we're doing a lot of work and exactly what you just said and really proving out that, I mean, we have obviously, you know, you look at companies like Whirlpool and, and others that do exactly like you just said, they'll drop it off and they take the trash with the packaging. And it's very that's very important for them. How do they get rid of it in a way that makes sense for their business model? How can they really get value out of that? How does that not add extra cost for them? And then you have this real growth around you know, not only composting, but some anaerobic digesters. We've gone to one in slow and you know, toured the whole facility and chatted with them about all of what we're thinking. And how can we start really implementing those, doing early piloting, getting to scale and really showing the viability. So when we see legislation coming through, when we see these bans or these EPRs, 
these companies like Whirlpool and others know that there's an answer out there that's viable for them. And I think that's where there's been a lot of disconnect. You know, when you look at all the different stages along the value chain, some things are made in a closed chamber and you don't really look at what's the impact. How does this actually get implemented? How is this actually going to be executed? And I think when we're really trying to do a step back and be a facilitator and catalyst to bring all these stakeholders together to kind of be a real, you know, leaders of word, but really kind of, you know, a model in a way to show that this works and it's viable and it's economical and actually adds value for all the stakeholders along the value chain. And that's what I think is really important to see this happen. There has to be someone like you guys that that guides the way and, and, yeah. and tests the model. So thank you for doing that. No, I appreciate it. It's so critical these days. So many people are, oh yeah, I'd love to try something sustainable, but it costs 5X or it's, or it's, we've tested it and it's not water resistant or we've tested it. And, you know, there's always caveats. There's always things that people come up with. And I think what you guys have is a one-to-one replacement potential that, that could be a game changer. And yeah, and it's, it's, it's a hundred percent that, you know, cause there's always going to be levels of evolution in the technology. You know, the startup term is MVP, most minimal viable product. And so it's understanding where that MVP fits and what customers and what different partners are engaging to help you develop that further. And, you know, people like, you know, forward thinkers like Whirlpool understand that growth, understand that development. But I think I said in my tech crunch, you know, it's not going to be a silver bullet. Yes, you need to be pretty close, but it's not going to be exact cost, exact performance, and already at scale around the entire world a week after you come up with the technology. I mean, there, there's, there is a stage growth into the market that has to occur. What's and, the hold up? Come on, John. Yeah, you know, and some people just are like, you know, and it could, I don't want to say it's ignorance, but it's just not unfamiliarity, but it's just, it's understanding that. And it's understanding it's how it is across the board with almost any technology. And packaging is challenging because of the, sheer, you know, scale across the entire world. It's everywhere. And so it becomes a bigger picture when you are working with global brands and understanding how that actually needs to work on that global you know, scale and, and implementation. And so for us, we really do want to see that happen. And, and that's one of the ways we've, from the core, not only understanding the cost and the, the performance, but, you know, the scale and really finding a way that we can facilitate that adoption with the, you know, the more drop-in technology where we can run with existing extruders, run with existing manufacturers, and really great. constantly, yeah, and constantly not evolving, constantly doing more R and D to learn more manufacturing techniques. Where we can broaden our technology beyond just packaging. Maybe it's going to go to something beyond that, and you know, next year. And yeah. that's where I think when you look at materials, it's having that understanding, that kind of approach is key, and and that's something we're trying to really you know have at the core of our technology. I get asked all the time, why is it taking so long? Why why are <laughs> you know why are these sustainable alternatives taking so long? And the answer is the plastics industry has had decades to perfect yeah. what they're using and billions of dollars and you know thousands of tens of thousands of scientists. We're working on shoestring budgets and oftentimes minimal uh, staffs and it's just going to, like you said, it's going to take a little bit of time, but it'll be worth it. Yeah. And that's, and it, that's a very good point because that's, that's what I, you know, I, it, it's something it's maybe often overlooked is I think like the earliest plastics were like discovered in the fifties and sixties. I mean, it's like over half a century. You know? like, yeah. Uh, realistic here. You know, it, it's definitely something, but, but that's where we see the partnerships and really understanding how we can collaborate is really what's going to accelerate that. And that's really been our approach. 
I love this idea of working with the people that are making polystyrene now because they've got all the infrastructure, they've got the staff, they've got the equipment. That to me is a slam dunk. If you guys could perfect that. Wow. Yeah. And it's, it's exactly the reason you said, and, and, and I've touched on it. These guys, I, you know, I shouldn't say they all want to switch because that's maybe, you know, a little presumptuous, but I would say sure. the majority are definitely desperately looking to switch. And that's because simply the consumers have had enough, you know, you get, especially during COVID, it's been, it's been so crystal clear. I order like two chairs or something and all of a sudden I can't put any more trash in my trash bin because it's right. now filled with EPS. And I've had points where it took me three weeks, three weeks to get rid of all the EPS I got just because I had to throw away regular trash. That wasn't EPS. And that's in my garage. That's in my house. It's just laying around, gets broken up, starts flying everywhere. And it's just a pain in the pain in the butt. So I think a lot of yeah. people are ready for that switch. And I think that's when you look at the manufacturing, it, the time is now and, and the yeah. legislation's quick catching up. So it, it's, it's definitely, it's time. And for people listening that don't know what EPS stands for, it's expanded yep. polystyrene. It's those white circles that fly down the street when you break up your your packaging and they drive everybody crazy. So that's Indeed. EPS, polystyrene, styrofoam, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So speaking of timeframes, what, what are we looking at here from cruise foam? What, what's your uh, schedule like? Yeah, so we got a ton of exciting, fun stuff happening right now that we're hoping we can, you know, make an announcement and then and, and let some of it out into the world here in Q4. Cool. But we're really, really heavy engaged right now. We're building out our in-house, you know, larger production facility here in Santa Cruz. We're engaging with some partners from across North America, looking to set up, you know, first scale manufacturing operations and strategic locations with our first customers, looking at the kind of appliance space. And we see that really being in a place to launch in the market around early Q1 next year. And so Great. we're really excited with some, a, a pretty healthy demand, no doubt. We're, we're ready to see this really start getting on the marketplace and have an impact we want to see. Well, congratulations in advance because um, you guys are doing great things and it takes guts and it takes tenacity and it takes all the good things that uh, good business people have. So well done. I appreciate it. And I, I, I have to say it, it's been, a, it's been a journey, but it's something that has definitely not been, you know, solely me by any means. I, I, I would say the team that we've built here has been absolutely incredible in the developments they've made over the last year and, and really putting us in a position that I think has really differentiated us from any of the other kind of sustainable foams you've seen and, and the expertise and the enthusiasm we have as, as a core is, I think, going to really propel us into something special. So it's, it's been a fun ride so far. Yeah, I've had the pleasure of communicating with Leslie Nakajima, your, your CMO. Yeah. And so I can attest to that. You've got a great team already around you. That's nice of you. And it's impressive to see when you're all working together. Good job. So no. what what's the best way for uh, people to get a hold of you guys? Do you have a, a website? Uh, yeah, yeah. So our website is, is pretty straightforward, yeah. cruisefoam.com. All the tags on Insta and, and LinkedIn, Facebook, I believe, are the same, cruisefoam or at cruisefoam. I believe if you want to get to us by email, it's hello at cruisefoam.com. <laughs> pretty simple. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's a, a number on our website. I, I can't remember off the top of my head, I'll be honest, but you can find it. <laughs> Probably the least one that we respond to, I'll be honest, in this day and age. But that's that's also available if you'd like to shoot us a little call. It's uh, it's 
it's cool when people still have a phone number. I think, yeah, it, right. I think <laughs> it, you don't see it very often, but why not? Why can't why you? Why not? You know, sometimes, <laughs> you know, it's, it, and one of the things, Dave, we're in manufacturing, you know, yeah. it, sometimes it's really helpful to get on the call and get on the phone. So for sure, it'd be a big, big, you know, speed things up. Anything else you want to uh, speak to before we end the show? Oh, no, I think the biggest thing is, you know, I, I really appreciate having us on. I think, you know, it's really important that, you know, we, we really start having more conversations around this space and really understanding, you know, the, the, the panel like TechCrunch, you know, we have, I believe it's Sustainable Packaging Coalition, Advance, SPC Advance is coming up. I, I believe I'm doing a panel there with Temper oh, Pack great. is on that one as well. I, I had a panel with the Temper Pack founder. So I just think, you know, really highlighting, understanding how we can really keep these conversations and really having, you know, important discussions around how we make this viable and, and really, you know, see the future change for the better. Because I think we've all, all around the globe are, are ready to, to stop getting giant packages with those little beads in it. I think we're ready to, and we have the technology, we have the, you know, the innovations. It's just, let's make it happen. So I agree. What's the best place to surf in Santa Cruz? Oh, that's, that is a very subjective uh, <laughs> question. This is going to sound very strange, but it's just because of the place that's really close to my work. My yeah. favorite place is actually ironically called John Street. So it's really <laughs> easy for me to find and know what that one is. But no, you know, it depends if you're on the west or the east side. Uh, yeah. My work's on the west side. So we, we've got a couple of good spots over here. Swift, you know, the lane and, and, and John Street are kind of my go-tos. All right. That's good advice for the surfing community. We want to support all the surfing community because <laughs> you're all doing such a good thing for sustainability. We appreciate it. No, Corey. I I'd like it. to like to thank Landsberg Aurora for sponsoring this podcast. Uh, listeners, please take the time to review and recommend this to your friends so we can make more great episodes and spread the word about sustainable packaging. Again, this is Corey Connors. And thank you so much for your time, John. Appreciate it. Thanks, Corey. This episode is sponsored by SpecRite, the first purpose-built platform for specification management. So much has changed when it comes to packaging, and there's a new book to help you stay ahead of the curve, The Evolution of Products and Packaging, written by longtime packaging executive Mr. Matthew Wright, helps you unpack industry trends and explains how you can use data to drive packaging innovation and sustainability. Download your free copy today at specright.com backslash book. That's S-P-E-C-R-I-G-H-T dot com backslash book.